Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We're glad you're here. My name's Joel. As Sophie mentioned, this is Palm Sunday, and we're going to get into a little bit of what that means today in our message. Um, But I'm glad you're here. It is... uh, the beginning of Holy Week. And again, we'll get into a little bit more of that. But that means, basically all that means is next week is Easter. Uh, That's what I'm trying to say right now. And um, it's a great Sunday to be in church today, though, too. And and next Sunday is going to be incredible. But I just want to take a moment and just, we just need to pause and, and realize the magnitude of the season that God um, is going to do something in our lives today as we begin this Holy Week and throughout the season. And it can be so easy to miss it because of whatever's in front of us right now, whether it's a a job or a family situation or um, grief that we're going through. Um, Whatever it is, you can invite God's presence, God's Holy Spirit to be with you um, through all of that. And we're going to take some time this week, just felt it on our hearts, that we just needed to pray every day of Holy Week. Just going to open up um, the church. We're going to, and we're just going to pray for a couple hours a day. Um, that's, that's it. I mean, I could give a bunch of explanation on top of that, a bunch of vision, but it's, it's, it's prayer. And, and I think sometimes that's awkward. It's like, what are we doing right now? We're, we're praying. That's what, that's what we're doing. Uh, we're going to pray. And, and whatever happens, happens. Um, but I, 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 um, you might have seen it on social media that every day this week from 12 to 1 p.m., this auditorium is just going to be open. We just wanted to create space for people to pray if they want to pray. And then again, from 5 to 6 p.m., um, there's not a bunch of like vision behind it. We're praying. That's what we're doing. Um, so it's Palm Sunday today, beginning of Holy Week. Um, and we're going to read from Luke 19. You can go there on your phone uh, or in your Bible right now. I'm going to read from the NIV. Luke 19, we're going to start at 28. Luke 19, I'm going to give you a minute to get there. Luke 19, 28. A message this morning is called, The Lord Needs You. The Lord Needs You. Luke 19, 28. Here we go. NIV. Are you there? All right. Follow the, okay, the three of you that are with me. Okay, we got four now. All right. Okay. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. And if you're going to steal something after church today, maybe you could try that uh, tactic on that as well. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt, 
and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. So here we're experiencing a massive shift in Jesus's life here on earth because for the first time recorded, we're seeing that Jesus is starting to allow people to call him Lord. Up until this point, Jesus has not encouraged people to call him Lord or even to, to talk about him that much because uh, he didn't want to, delay, he didn't want to um, shorten his life here on earth. You'll see this here, um, some examples. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Everyone's freaking out. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone about it. And the man couldn't hold it. Uh, and Jesus could no longer enter the, uh, that town because of the excitement. Like, he's like, it's like, you know, you know, when you buy your parents Christmas gifts and you're so excited uh, when you're a little kid, like, like, I, like I, I was like that. I was like, we'd buy my parents Christmas gifts and I'll, like weeks leading up, I'll be like, oh, you, you'll never guess what I got you. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what happened to this guy. And then there's people with unclean spirits and, and diseases that are healed. And Jesus says, don't tell others about me. Keep it quiet. There's a deaf man who could barely talk. Jesus put his fingers in his ears and he spits and touches the man's tongue. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone what, we, what just happened here. But what happens is they could not, these people could not keep their mouths shut about what Jesus was doing in their lives. They're so excited. And, and Jesus is like, we got to slow down the message while I'm on earth because I want this ministry to last. It only lasted three years. Right, but he's like, I, I want to I be here as long as possible. And he's trying to delay his inevitable death. And the message of Jesus is spreading so fast. And we have the opposite problem in the Western world today. That unfortunately, the church has been in decline uh, for many years. And a lot of people don't really know what to think about Jesus. They're unsure like where they land on, on Jesus. Sometimes you talk to people about Jesus and they're kind of like, yeah, you know, they almost have like a, uh, all roads, you know, will come back to God. And, you know, you just take your road and you figure it out and it's all good. Uh, a lot of people think that Jesus had some good moral teaching. C.S. Lewis um, really addresses this the best in mere Christianity. He said, I'm trying here to uh, prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who thinks he's a poached egg, which I love, like, who talks like that? I love that. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great moral teacher, or sorry, a great human teacher. He has not left us open to this. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So good. Many think um, Jesus can't be the only God. 
um, because this is a claim of absolute truth. This idea is called relativism. And we see that this popping up quite a bit. And the thought in relativism is that there's no absolute truth. It's, it's all relative. And the problem with that is that it's an absolute truth. Regardless where, of where people stand on their view of Jesus, people, most people, get their ideas about who Jesus is from his people. And so, where does that leave us? You're the only Bible that many people will read. Like the only, thing my, the only things my wife knows about golf is from me talking about it nonstop. It comes out of me and that's how she learns about it. And, I, and that's what happens with us and Jesus. That's so many people, like loved ones, family members, right? Like coworkers, neighbors. We want them to get their idea of Jesus from the right sources because... You know, if they don't, they'll get them from that show. What's that? The Righteous Gemstone. Have you seen that show? It's okay. A couple people have. They're, they're, they're going to get their ideas from Jesus, uh, about Jesus from TV or whatever, social media or like some sponsored ad or something. They're going to get it, their idea of Jesus from something. We want them to get it from our lives, right? Like those Mormons almost had me converted this week with those sponsored ads. Those <laughs> things were excellent. They put it together really well. Um, well, let's go, let's go back to Luke 19. Jesus has a problem. He has a journey to go on. And on this journey that Jesus takes in Luke 19, the donkey makes the journey possible. And he has the same problem today. He has a journey that he needs to continue on if people are gonna experience the love of the Father and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And how many people know finding Jesus is like the best thing that could ever happen to anyone? How many people would say that finding Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you? Okay, good. All right, that's good. We're in the right room this morning. Good. Jesus has a need. The good news of who he is needs to spread. And we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to help Jesus on this journey? And it's a tension that we get into. You know, it's crazy. As I was sort of working through these thoughts this week, I was on the Barna website. Barna does incredible studies. They're a nonpartisan organization. You guys can go to the stats. And they did this... Uh, they did this, uh, whatever it is, survey of people. And uh, they said 38% of Christians think it's wrong to share our beliefs in, hope, in hopes to convert people to our faith. Sheesh, that is a huge chunk. And then they, they, they go on, they split up the study a little bit and said 47% of millennials think it's wrong to share our beliefs in hopes to convert our faith. Jesus has a journey. However, however, with those stats, then they asked these same millennials and 94% of them said the best thing that's ever happened to them was their spiritual conversion to Christianity. Why would we have this amazing experience and then keep it to ourselves? And my question is, if we don't reach those we love for Jesus, who's gonna do it? Whose responsibility is it to get Jesus into those people's lives? I love this quote by uh, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon is a great pastor uh, in the late 1800s. He said, I would sooner bring one sinner to Jesus Christ than unravel all the mysteries of the divine word. For salvation is the one thing that we live for. Jesus has a journey to go on. Are we going to help him get there? Romans 10, 14 says, how then Will they call on him who they have not believed? 
How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? Your life preaches a message. If people are going to meet Jesus, they need someone to bring him to them. Just like this donkey brings Jesus to Jerusalem, we bring Jesus to people. Now there's something about the donkey because there's a prophecy in Zechariah 500, over 500 years before Jesus rides this donkey. In Zechariah, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O, o daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But why ride a donkey, Jesus? Well, the uh, uh, donkey was a humble animal. And, and donkeys are seen in biblical times as, as a, a sign of humility. And Jesus was and is our best example of humility. And I think it's encouraging as we think about our lives. And it's so easy to, to, to see all of our mistakes and everything that's wrong with us. And it's so easy to just sort of discount, you know, our lives and, 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 and where our role in the kingdom. But when Jesus uh, needed a way to deliver his message, needed a way to, to get where he was going, what does he choose? An imperfect, not refined, clumsy, humble animal. Jesus didn't pick the most elegant. He didn't pick the most educated. He didn't pick, the, you know, the animal with the most followers. You know what I mean? He, he didn't pick the most connected. He didn't pick the most likely. Jesus chose a misfit, humble, odd little animal, the donkey. Because God trusts the humble. God trusts the humbles. Listen, your, your flaws do not disqualify you from what God will do in your life. God trusts the humble. Are we willing to be a part of what God is doing right now? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When, when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. And the thing about this donkey was it wasn't just humble. It was available. Humble people are available. It's not just about humility. It's about saying, God, use me. I'm available. I'm willing to say no to enough things to allow you to use my life. God uses the available. Available people allow God to determine their priorities. They have a desire to go on God's journey. So we, we have a desire. I think all of us have a desire to go on God's journey. But the problem is, is that we often don't have space in our lives to go on that journey. Yet the presence of God is where we end up experiencing the direction of God. If we would make space for his presence, we'd start to experience his direction for us. One thing about that donkey is he was there waiting for someone to take him on that journey. He was available. There was space in his life. And he obviously was willing to be used. I think it's, it's something, there's something, there's power in that to think about, man, do I have that space in my life to be used by God that way? Here's two common complaints I've heard in church. I've been in church a long time. Here's two common complaints I hear about the church. You know, because we, it's not just, you know, people complain about us. It's that people end up here and they're going, oh, the last place I was at. And hey, if you've said these complaints or thought these complaints, I'm not trying to shame you this morning. I'm, I'm just trying to uh, uh, show you the sort of thinkings that we get into that maybe hold us back from God doing something significant in our lives. So the first complaint I hear is I'm not being used. I left there because I'm, I'm just, I'm not being used. 
There's this NBA broadcast I was listening to a, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I think it was actually a podcast. And the, the guy said something that was so profound. He said, the most common mistake I see amongst all NBA players, no matter what role they're playing, is everyone thinks they should have a larger role than they do. If they're a bench player, they think they deserve more minutes and more time with the ball. If they're a star player, they think they deserve more input into the team direction and they're, they're held back in their opportunities to coach the team. And then he said this, it's what, where he's seen breakthrough happen is that it's not until the player decides that they're okay with however the organization decides to use them that the door starts to be open for opportunities in their future. They're humble and available. And it starts to unlock their incredible potential. I thought, man, what a parallel for our lives. We don't need a title, a responsibility, a following, or a platform. We need a, a new sensitivity to God's spirit. Are you near, Lord? How will you use me today? God's spirit will guide you as you step out and be available for it. So the number one complaint I hear is I'm not being used. And the, the, second, the second complaint I hear, it's kind of ironic. Maybe you can guess it. The church used me. I'm not being used. They use me. Ephesians 5 says, after all, no one hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. And I think the temptation, when we get involved in the church, when we start to, you know, God starts to do something in us in, within the church, is that um, we start to think of the church as a corporation and not a body. But we start to think of the church as a, as a corporation, not a family even. And sometimes that's because the church acts this way. God forgive us for acting this way. But quite frankly, like it's, it's, it's sometimes that we, we just get out of order. But the Bible calls it a body. And so we're to figure out, God, where, where would I be used? And it's incredible that as you know, God uses us this way, we start to experience him in a new way. Hey, you might be like me this morning. Sometimes you just feel like the pinky the pinky toe, you know what I mean? It's like, you just keep getting stubbed and it's painful and hey, it's all good. You know, we're all part of the body. Not that that's a good thing, but I, I, I see you this morning. Our service to the church must come of a, um, from an outpouring of love for Jesus and a desire to just be part of his body, humble and available. If our service comes from a place of serving someone besides Jesus, we'll end up disappointed, frustrating, feeling used and um, for the wrong reasons. And so we, we got to come back to be, being serving the church because this is Jesus' one and only plan to save the world. He has designed us to be part of his body. If we love Jesus, what happens? We end up caring for his bride. So how do we take a posture of usefulness in God's kingdom? We can, we can take this from Luke chapter 19. It says, as they went along, the disciples, as they go along, people spread their cloaks on the road. What does this mean? Well, this was a common practice for royalty in the day. When they saw royalty coming, they, they put their cloaks on the road as that, that king or ruler would come through the city. 
It's a sign of, of submission, of bowing down. What would the spreading of your cloak look like in your life? Whether it's praise or in pain, famine or in feast, we spread our cloaks on the road because we honor Jesus, our humble King. Lord, we want to give you our best. And, that's, and it's, it's so easy to become distracted and busy and, and, you know, just doing other things, unintentional things in life. But we, Lord, we want to give you our best. We don't want to give you the leftovers. Leftovers communicates he missed the feast. Actually, I noticed this. I've just been convicted lately in my, uh, even just in, as I uh, prepare for Sunday mornings, that God was getting the leftovers even on my Sunday mornings. That I'd come and I'd, I'd prepare and try and get all the words right and make sure I didn't say anything wrong or curse on stage or whatever the silly things that <laughs> end up happening. And then at the end of all of that, if there was a sliver of time left, I'd pray. And it's just a shift that's happened in my life recently. It was like, no, I gotta pray first. God, you're not gonna get the leftovers. What would that look like in your life? Where is it in your life that Jesus is missing the feast? That, that, you know, that you're, you're having the feast and then it's like, oh yeah, Jesus, right, you're here too. This is what I love about this donkey. He's humble and available. Doesn't give Jesus the leftovers. What we see in these people is they're taking a posture of humility, bowing to the king. A posture of humility. Lives laid down for the king. There's that story of the rich young ruler that Jesus tells. And when Jesus tells him, hey, I, this, is what it, this is what it takes to follow me. You gotta sell everything. You gotta get rid of everything. Just turn, you know, just turn your back on this great life you've built and come and join me. It says the, the rich young ruler was grieving, knowing that I just can't, I have too much. I can't lay it down. I, I can't join you, Jesus. But he was grieving the wrong thing. He was grieving the fact that I'm going to miss out on my, on, on my journey with Jesus. Sheesh, he's grieving the wrong thing. He can grieve the, this incredible life that he built and left. Grieve that to, to join in Jesus' journey with him. In order to do a, a new thing, in order for God to do a new thing, sometimes something in our life is going to have to die. That rich young ruler grieved the wrong thing. So how do we get Jesus to the people who need him? How do, we, how do we get Jesus to the people who need him? It says the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They're praising God. They, they see all, they, they've been with Jesus. They've seen what Jesus has been doing. And what happens? It starts to flow out of them. They're, they're with Jesus and all of a sudden, that praise starts to flow out of them. So what happens? Your mission must come from your relationship with God. It can't come from just, oh, I got excited on Sunday morning and a mission's gonna come from that. It has to come from a place of, of nearness to the Father, of connection to His Spirit, of asking the Holy Spirit to be with you through everything you go through in life. We express what we have seen and heard personally. And that's what these disciples are doing. They're like, I've encountered Jesus. And as I see Him coming in, man, I can't help but praise him, but make noise about him. Wow. Henry Nowen says this. I love this. The basis of the mission of the 12 disciples was not their knowledge, training, or character, but their having lived 
with Jesus. Can I say to you this morning, the most interesting thing about you is your relationship with Jesus. No one, like, I don't flip through the Bible and go, you know, I wish they'd talk about Matthew's tax collecting a little bit more. <laughs> Matthew's interesting because of what he's seen and heard from Jesus. We don't, we don't flip through it and go, you know, I really wish we'd hear more about Luke's work as a doctor. You know, I, I love that he spent time with Jesus, but let's hear more about that. We want to hear about their time with Jesus, don't we? You know, I, I, I was just thinking about this recently. I'm like, this is so true. Just this week as I was writing this, I'm like, it's so true. The most, like, I am not an interesting person. And I'm starting to find that out because people are like, hey, how you been recently? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, like things have been good. I've just been really busy. And they're like, oh, what have you been busy with? And I, I'm like, that's a good question. And then I start to think about my week. I'm like, I've been busy watching Gabby's Dollhouse with my kids. <laughs> I'm not interesting. We're not, we're not, you know, we're, we're, not as, we're not that interesting. But what happens is our relationship with Jesus, when you're with Jesus, come on, you ever experienced someone who's like clearly been with Jesus? It's interesting. We want to know more about that. Hey, it's great that these guys were fishermen. We hear a little bit about that, but they're interesting, not because of their fishing, but because they've been with Jesus. Your mission will be birthed out of you allowing the Holy Spirit to be a part of your daily life. Daily meaning there's not a moment in the day that you're with him. It's, it's moments. It's that he's in the minutes of your life. And he's in the hours of your life. And that's how he ends up being in your daily life. These people were praising God for what they'd seen him do. And maybe, you're, maybe this morning you're just like, great, sounds good, but I haven't seen God do anything recently. It's been a dry season or it's been a confusing season, or my head's been here and there, and I, I just, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I was in this conference recently, and yeah, we have all these different ways of, you know, experiencing God. Everybody's different. And, and I was in this conference recently, and this guy's on stage, and he's talking about how um, he, he has silence at the start of every day and how he just experiences God's presence in this silence. And he's like, and like, he can't really even explain it. Well, he, he did a better job of explaining it than me, but he's just like, yeah, I just, I just sit in silence and I experience God. And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? This is so dumb. How are we talking about this at a conference that this guy sits in silence? And you know, I, whatever. I didn't really take notes. I was just like, okay, let's get this moment over with and move on with life. Um, but I recalled it just the, the week or two after where things were just chaos in my life that, that day or whatever it was. And it was just like, man, I'm just like, this is a mess. How am I supposed to experience God in, in these next few moments or in this day? And I recalled that talk and I thought, maybe he's right. And I just took 20 minutes and, and just said, like, right now, everything can wait. I just need these 20 minutes of silence. I'm going to try this thing. This guy seemed smarter than me. He was older than me. I'm sure he was wiser. Um, just took 20 minutes. Can I just tell you, like, 90 seconds in, the presence of God just, like, fell on me. I just began to weep and just experience his nearness and his presence. And I, I just remember him impressing this on my heart. 
you've done enough. It was like, oh my gosh, I've been striving, trying to get all this, trying to do this, 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 this. And it was like, you've done enough. Just sit with me for a moment. Your mission must come from your relationship. Maybe you haven't heard his voice because he doesn't have space to speak. Mark 3, verse 14, he's commissioning, Jesus is commissioning the disciples. He's getting them ready to go and, and do their work. It says, he appointed the 12, whom he also named apostles, so they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Notice the order there. He might be with them. Then he sent them out to preach. With, send. With, send. With, send. And you might be thinking, I don't have time for mission. It starts with, with. Spend time in his presence. Ask him, God, would you stir up a mission in me? A new hunger to see people come back to you. What will happen is you start to become like those people at the, at the start where Jesus does something. You're like, I can't keep my mouth shut about this. When the fire is lit in you, people cannot help but watch you burn. God, stir that hunger in us. All of Jesus' teaching can be summed up in these two words. Come, and go. Come and go. And you cannot stop God's plans for the earth, but you can exclude yourself from them. Hey, God's, he's got promises in the Bible. And he says what he's going to do here. He's going to come back. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. He tells us to store up our treasure in heaven. We can't stop what God's going to do. No one can. I don't care what worldly office you've been given or whatever prestige or influence you have. There's plenty of people who want to work against the church. Let them. We'll prevail like we always do. But I don't want to be excluded from God's plan. You know, if those donkeys' owners said no, Actually, you cannot take our donkey. That is our prized donkey. Don't touch him. Would, if, the, if the owners didn't let the donkey go, would Jesus have still died for us? Right? Like, would God be like, oh, dang it, I needed that donkey. Unfortunately, Jesus, this isn't gonna work. You know, we're not gonna move forward with this plan. People are gonna have to continue to, you know, sacrifice. You can't be saved by grace because they wouldn't let the donkey. No. No. God's plan would still have gone through. So we have a decision to make. Are we going to cry out to God or will we let the rocks do it for us? If we don't, someone else will. Don't allow a rock to take your place. It's a stupid rock. And just like this donkey took Jesus to Jerusalem, we can take Jesus to the people we love. You know, he loves those people too that are in your life. You know, he predestined them for adoption. That God sees every person in your life and is like, yeah, they're coming back to me. That's my plan for them. And you can be a part of that plan. 
We have the honor of assisting Jesus to bring renewal into the world around us. You were born for such a time as this. God knew what you'd see, you'd see in your lifetime and designed you to carry his glory in this season. You know, we can't subcontract the mission that God has placed on our lives. We can't say, ah, oh, you know what? We're gonna get, we're gonna, I just would rather watch other people do that. I'll be here cheering them on. We can't subcontract the mission that God has placed for us or the people. Maybe we'll say it that way. We can't subcontract the people God has placed in our lives. Don't let the people with the gift for evangelism have all the fun. Because I think that's the easy thing to do is go, oh, I don't have a gift of evangelism. I'll let them evangelize. You don't have to have a gift for it. That's great that they have, thank God for, uh, you know, evangelistic people, people with that gift on their life. But we have relationships that are our responsibility. And the one thing about evangelism and, and drawing people to Jesus is so often it's so uncomfortable. I saw this meme this week uh, that was like, uh, you know, the Dumb and Dumber where he's like, big gulp, say, see you later. Um, it's like this awkward moment in the movie. Uh, that's what evangelism often is. It's like, hey, you know, Jesus is so good. And they're like, good, that's good. Enjoy it. You have fun with that. It's not comfortable to be used by God. That donkey would have probably been more comfortable in the field eating grass, hanging out, doing whatever donkeys do, making waffles. Uh, but don't believe the lie that what's comfortable is what's best. The Lord needs you. Don't let the rocks take your place. If you ask God for opportunities, he'll present them to you. I just encourage every person this week to pray for God to give you an opportunity. You don't have to have a full message ready, a full story. Let me tell you my testimony. We're going to do an hour and a half here. No, no, no. It's like just an opportunity to point someone to Jesus intentionally. You know, thank God for all he's done. It's just little things like that, talking about how good God's been. Remember that first love when you first met him. And it'll, it'll flow out of you. How do you share your faith? I'll just give you a quick thing. Just talk about how good Jesus has been to you. Yeah. God, thank you for this Easter season. We just stand right now. Praise you, God. Just feel like there's people right now who've, as this message has gone on, you just felt your heart getting harder and harder. That you're like, last time it didn't work. Or you just feel like, yeah, well, you know, you don't understand. You haven't, you know, been in my life. You haven't been in my shoes. I just ask right now, God, when wherever we have a heart of stone towards people or towards evangelism or whatever it may be, God, would you give us a heart of flesh? That we would see the people in our lives as our responsibility. We know that you will do your work in them. We don't have to, we don't have to have it all figured out, but we can point them in the right direction. We can bring Jesus. We can bring your Holy Spirit into their life. 
into their home, into their workplace, into their neighborhood. God, we just humble ourselves before you. We just, right now we, we repent for maybe having uh, some pride, some things holding us back, having a hard heart towards certain people in our lives. Holy Spirit, come. We believe that as we go through this Holy Week, through this Easter season, you're going to have your way in us and in the people's lives around us, in our church, Lord God, and in our city. Thank you, Father. If you're here this morning, you're feeling far from God. Maybe you've accepted Christ before. You've fallen away or you haven't done this. If you're in the room or watching online, I just want to walk you through a prayer. This prayer is a response to God's word. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And all your friends, your community here at church are going to pray it with you because we love you and we're here for you. Let's say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living this perfect life, and dying on the cross to pay for my sins. Today I ask that you'd forgive me. Come into my heart. From now on, I live for you. I believe that you are Lord and God raised you from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for what God's done today. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.